It is great to be back here at Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino, along with Chema, Adrian Broadus, soon to be UTEP Zay. We're going to have a full house in our Lubingo studios this afternoon. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm Steve Kaplowitz hanging with you here at the Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino, where we've got so much going on. Monday Night Football kicks off in a couple of hours. You can watch the game here with us. It is a tradition. It is a football tradition, folks. Monday Night Football with Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso. And, yes, we will have the opportunity for you to uh, enjoy Seattle and Denver. Gets going here in about uh, two hours and ten minutes. Looking forward to that. We'll be giving away prizes as well, too. we got a lot of prizes. We've got two family five-packs. That's right, not family four-packs. Family five-packs of uh, Chihuahua's tickets for Wednesday night's big game against Round Rock. Uh, that's going to be given away. We also have a pair of tickets for Disney on Ice. That's Sunday, October 9th at the El Paso County Coliseum. It's a 12 o'clock show for Disney on Ice. We'll be giving those away as well. And uh, then we've got lots of other great prizes. We've got a uh, baseball cap, a blackened baseball cap. That is the official Metallica um, whiskey, blackened whiskey. And we're giving away the Metallica blackened whiskey ball cap uh, here on the show today. Excited about that. And, of course, our friends at All That Music and Video, uh, who have opened in a much larger space, by the way, at the Fountains of Farah. I was excited when I stopped by, saw the new store, newly remodeled and expanded at the Fountains of Farah, uh, directly below the Best Buy parking lot. And they've got everything you need. Everything you need, folks. Posters, patches, buttons, pop culture items. How about 180-gram vinyl, vintage vinyl as well, CDs, DVDs, all categories, all prices. And they're going to be giving us some great items to give away here today. We've got a Seahawks and a Broncos bottle opener. We've also got DVDs um, for both teams. Broncos, 1997 Super Bowl champions. We'll give that away. Seahawks. Super Bowl championship uh, DVD Blu-ray. We're going to be giving that one away as well from the 2013 season. Plus, I've got what is probably now a collectible, a gold um, Russell Wilson Funko. That's right, a gold version of the Russell Wilson Funko from his Seattle days. That's very cool. We've also got, uh, in addition, a Jerry Judy Pop Funko as well. So very cool prizes. We'll give those away at halftime tonight of the football game. Happy to have you with us. Happy to be here coming your way today live from Border City Alehouse, where this Saturday night, Canelo, Triple G, Part 3, $10 at the door. Uh, you want reservations? Call Border City Alehouse for details on how you can reserve a table. Plus, we got great specials here tonight. Three, four, five dollar pints because it's pint night on Mondays. Four dollar fireball, five dollar Jack and Jack flavors as well here at the Ale House for you. So, yeah, we are loaded. All right, let's just set the tone for the show very quickly as we get started because we've got so much to cover, so much to talk about. Three hours is not enough time. But, Adrian, let's begin with the biggest stories of the weekend for us. First and foremost, Miners win the Battle of I-10. It wasn't pretty, especially in the second half. 
which I'm sure we're going to talk about. We've written about it in depth. We've got stories from you, stories from me, stories from UTEP Zay. A lot of good stuff on the website. They were lucky to get out of the Sun Bowl with a win. And you can talk rivalry all you want. You could talk about how you don't throw the records out the window. Listen, no sugarcoating it. UTEP did not play a good second half at all. Defense was on the field for almost the entire fourth quarter. And, uh, Adrian, uh, once again, the hardest part about this UTEP football team is at times they look good, at times they don't look good. And lucky for them, they were able to uh, not blow a 17-point lead and uh, leave that game 20-13 to winners for the first time this season. They were fortunate to get out of the Battle of I-10 with the win. And for UTEP moving forward, I think they've got serious issues on offense. I'll, I'll be brief because I know we're going to get into everything later on. They've got uh, they've got less talent than they had last year on defense, but they still somehow managed to make plays, which I, I think you can appreciate if you're a UTEP fan uh, looking at this defense. And then finally, I, I just don't know what's going on in the second half. Miners have been outscored 40 seven points to just six points by opponents in the second half of games and it seems like we're watching and witnessing a whole new team every time UTEP comes out of halftime that has to get uh, fixed moving forward if they hope to have success this year we'll talk about that we'll talk other college football the Alabama Texas game game of the day Uh, if you're a Texas uh, fan you will not have a better chance ever to beat Alabama than you did on Saturday and that was after losing Quinn Ewers uh, to the injury, and he's going to be out about the next four to six weeks. Tough, tough break for Texas. Hudson Card came in. They blew the field goal at the end of the first half. They had opportunities to shut down Oklahoma in that last drive. Couldn't wrap up Young. And, hey, give all the credit in the world to Alabama. This is why they're the number one team in the country year after year and why they win so many games. Adrian, they find ways to win. They did so again on Saturday. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking loss, though. It gave me Colt McCoy flash backs for uh, the Texas and Alabama series. I mean, uh, McCoy goes out due to an injury in that Bama game uh, in 2009 National Championship. And then you look at this game. It's Quinn Ewers out early on, and he was having a lot of success. It's it's the ultimate what if in this situation. I thought Texas was going to hang on, but you can't Mm -hmm. give Alabama the ball with that much time and uh, give a lot of credit to Bryce Young. He's a phenomenal quarterback, and he showed what he's able to do on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, There were colossal upsets as well. Notre Dame goes down. A&M goes down to Appalachian State. That's a monster. Our first coaching casualty, Scott Frost out at Nebraska. So much to happen and talk about in the world of college football. Pro football, yesterday, all the games, upsets galore. You want to start? We can go through all the teams that lost that uh, you aren't expecting to lose. Cowboys, the loss is not just the loss. The loss of Dak Prescott, who was not playing well before he got hurt, but nobody needs him out six to eight weeks. That is such a blow to this team. And now Cowboys fans are going to get on Jerry Jones for not having a backup plan to Prescott and instead throwing Cooper Rush into the mix. Uh, I'm sure we are counting down the seconds before Conrad calls in and is ready to just spew his venom on this program. So that I'm sure we'll talk about. 19-3. Brady wasn't great, but he didn't need to be because the Bucks dominated Dallas yesterday. That's just one of a handful of games. Speaking of not great, the Packers looked awful yesterday, blowing their offensive opportunities when they had them, losing to the Vikings 23-7. That was a shocker. Didn't expect the Giants to beat the Titans. Didn't expect uh, uh, Dabble to go for two. He did. He gambled. He won. 
That was a huge game over the weekend. Steelers beat the Bengals. Nobody expected that. Nobody expected Joe Burrow to throw three picks. I didn't think the Bears would beat the 49ers. They did. Saints come back to beat the Falcons after they were down huge in that game. That was a shock. The only things that were not surprised is yesterday, the fact that the Jets lost. That's about the only guarantee we had yesterday in football. Jets lose 24-9 to the Ravens at home. We could talk all the NFL you want. Adrian, we could fill up a 10-hour show on just the NFL games alone yesterday. Yeah, just very, very entertaining. Football is back. It was that day to lounge on your couch, watch eight hours of football, just take everything in, see what who are which team are pretenders, which team are kind of those early contenders. We saw some overtime games like the Colts and Texans game, which ended up being a tie, uh, and we saw some fireworks in games like the Chargers and the Raiders that simply just went back and forth nonstop. I just loved seeing NFL back in action. A lot of changes across the board as well with all these different teams. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Steve. That uh, Steelers-Bengals game had to be my favorite. Uh, that game was insane, bizarre from the get-go. And uh, I'm just so happy football's back. I'll just be Me honest too. with you. Tim Hardaway gets enshrined into Springfield over the weekend. That happened, too. I'm telling you, folks, all the high school action we had, there is so, so much for us to talk about on our Monday edition of Sports Talk Live. All right, two lines are available right now. 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to Sports Talk. Let's get to the phones and begin with Orly. First up this afternoon, Orly. Welcome aboard. Happy Monday. Thanks for the call. Thanks for getting in today. Well, let's start off with you, Jeff, first of all. You know it's going to be a bad night when you have the entrance coming out of the tunnel, and supposedly there's no fireworks, but they have something on the side that fizzled out. It come out with white puff smoke. So, you know, that's bad. There's no enthusiasm in the, in the stands. Uh, no celebration after a touchdown, which we don't make many anyway. But my biggest problem is you've got a 17 to nothing lead. you got about four minutes to go in the half, and he runs three straight plays. How about trying to score before half? Uh, just like he – I felt he plays not to lose. And got very conservative. Second half was horrible. And you look at the second half of every game, somehow the other team, the opposing teams, coaches go and adjust. Do we adjust at halftime? I don't think so. Sure doesn't look like it. Um, let me say this. Let me say, let, me say, let me say this. The momentum okay. of that football game swung 180 degrees on the fumble punt return uh, in the second half. Uh, they were in total control, both sides of the ball. They were running the ball. They hadn't scored all that many points. They only had 17, but they were dominating. New Mexico State didn't even look like they belonged on the same field. But as soon as Bellin fumbled the return on the punt, I thought that that was the turning point that swung the entire game in New Mexico State's uh, favor in the second half. One play should not dictate a game when you're winning 17 nothing. but they scored quickly after that. They started to keep themselves in range. The minor offense couldn't get on the field, couldn't get do anything offensively. The defense couldn't get off the field. Orly, to me, that was the point in the second half that really turned it all around. It should, it should never have come down to that. They should have been yep. so far ahead. Okay, right. second, uh, okay, you realize, since we went 6-1 last year, We've gone two and eight. 
Has anybody brought that up? Two and eight are starting six and one. That includes the loss of the bowl game. So yep, that's no good point. Good point. Wanna, yeah, yeah, two and eight. I figured it out. You know, and then let's go to the 49ers. Jeez, Louise. You know, I'm not, I don't know about Trey Lance. He's got, he's young. You got to give the kid a chance. But wow, you're inside there. You're in their end of the field all first half and end up with seven points. That's another, it's another frustration. I, sometimes I, it drives me crazy with Shanahan's, uh, offensive calls. Uh, when do you see Debo Samuel fumble a ball in the 15? You never yep. see that. But you know what? Give give uh, Chicago credit. They hung in there. One play, swung that game around, and that was when he was scrambling and he left the, uh, the guy Pettis wide open. That swung the game around right there. Yep. One play. Yep. You're that close. One play is going to ruin it. And then, as far as the Cowboys, you know, um, I feel sorry for Dak, but you know what? Whether he's hurt or not, they're not going to do anything this year. They have no offensive power. And I keep hearing, well, they got rid of Bobari Cooper. That's all I heard today. That's why he had no offense. But they got rid of Ty- uh, Hill in Kansas City, and they're still winning. And Hill was their big offensive uh, You know, I feel, I mean, Cowboy fan, I'm not a fan of you guys, you know that, but your season's over. It's got to really feel like, you know what, knowing that you're se- after week one, you're done. Here's a question: Who's going to win? Who's going to? Who, hey, who's going to win fewer games? Cowboys or Niners this year? Oh, Cowboys! Niners, we're Niners. I guarantee you. Trey Lance goes three games like this. You got Jimmy G in the back holding, coming in. The fans are no. not going to put up with it. You've got a team that's built to win now. You've got a good defense. You've got an offense. All you need is a quarter. You can't. And the young man is forty-three times he's played a game. You got to give him a chance, but I don't know if he did. I mean, it's frustrating. I think if they, I'll hate to see him bench him, but they may have to if they want to turn the season around. If he does bad the next two games, he's got the 49ers have Seattle next week. Then they've got to go into Denver, and then they've got the Rams, and then they've got Atlanta and Carolina. Yep, appreciate it, Orly. That's a, I mean, you look at the schedule. There's some winnable games, winnable games for them for sure. All right, let's go to Richard from the west side. Then we'll take a break, come back with more of your phone calls, more of your tweets here on a Monday afternoon. Richard, thanks for getting in. How are you, Steve? I'm fine, Richard. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm going to make this real quick. I realize sure. this weekend, UTEP minor fan, Dallas Cowboy fan are exactly the same person, exactly <laughs> the same. We're going to win the conference. We're going to win the division. We beat up on teams that we have to beat up on. We play to the lowest caliber team that we're playing in. Everybody thinks they're going to win. And so for Orly, I respect him, but he's a closet Cowboy fan. And the 49ers and the Cowboys are both 0-1. Last thing I have to say, you're saying that Texas, you know, I'm Richard from the West, you know, we've talked. Texas, you know what, for having a second string hampered quarterback in that game, they lost by a point or, you know, I don't know how much, but it was a close game. And overall, yep. I'm going to say this for Alabama fans, Texas holds a record. We're 7-2-1 against well, Alabama. I'll tell you this much. It should have been 8-1-1. That's the way it went. should have been 8-1-1. But I'm with you Again, on that you, I'm with you. And you, before you let me go, Steve, let's be honest. When yeah. you were stays in the game, what was he? He was like for 140 yards in the first quarter. 
Yeah, he was amazing. Quinn Ewers doesn't yeah. get hurt. We're not talking about the same game We're not, or the same result. We're not. I mean, there's just no way. We're not. We're not. So. And I'm just saying the future is bright for Texas. He would have embarrassed Alabama if he would have stayed in the game. And that was a dirty hit. All I got to say last, before I leave, Cowboys and Utah fans, you're the exact same person. You're the exact same person. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Hey, good to hear from you, Richard. Thanks for the call. 18 pass. Charlie's next. We'll come back. More phone calls, more tweets. Stay with us uh, here on a Monday. It's Sports Talk Live from the Yale House, 600 ESPN El Paso. We've added to our prizes. Thanks to ESD, we're going to be giving away a um, – well, first off, we've got a charger that we're going to be giving away. It's very cool. It's like a – 1,000, um, I think it's like 1,000 MAH charger, That's or 10,000 actually. It's for your phones. It'll give you extra battery, extra juice. And we're also going to be giving away a very cool blanket as well from ESD. It even comes with a little carrying hay, a handle. It is perfect. So we'll add that to the mix. You can sign up to win here with uh, Sports Talk Live from Border City Alehouse. All right, good phone calls to start the show. Our phone number right now is 505-6009. That is 505-6009. Remember, Canelo, Triple G, this Saturday, $10 at the door. Uh, You can call the alehouse here for reservations. And uh, I know a lot of you out there would love to get a table and uh, enjoy this where you can actually – Come when, just arrive when you want, and you'll have everything uh, waiting for you. The phone number, 599-2828 for the Yale House. That's 599-2828 here at 1506 Lee Trevino for Canelo and Triple G this Saturday. All right. Um, I'm looking at some of the tweets coming in on 600 ESPN El Paso as well. So if you're not able to get in on the phones, you can always tweet the show. This comes from... Uh, at Poncho RDH. Poncho RDH tweets the show and says, UTEP was lucky to get the W. Offense got shut down by a bad defense in the second half. Quarterback Hardison was below average as usual. Coach Dimmel was outcoached in the second half. Again, we need the OC to take over with the new quarterback. And by the way, uh, after seeing that tweet from Poncho, it almost makes me uh, want to ask this question, Adrian. How was minor talk after the football game uh, late Saturday night? Steve, it was insane. I've got like a five-minute mash, mashup uh, for you to listen to. Um, it was insane. Very polar opposite uh, as far as the fan base goes. I think the fan base is split. Some were um, they were satisfied with the victory, saying, hey, a win is a win. They just needed a victory under their belt, and, and that's what UTEP got, so they were satisfied there. But the other side of it wants UTEP to do a little bit more. I mean, they, the other side said that this uh, this team is kind of alarming right now, the way that they've uh, showed their skills and, and what they've shown on the football field over the last three games. They're a little alarmed and worried moving forward. And I think those fans who were – they had high expectations going into this year, I think those expectations have been kind of quieted a little bit based on the performance from UTEP through three games. Man, I'm with you on that one. I am totally with you. All right, uh, as we continue here on the program, 505-6009, if you want to weigh in on the show. Um, I was almost ready to start the montage now, but maybe we should lead off our 5 o'clock hour with it. What do you say? Yeah, I think that sounds great. second hour with that. Let's do that. 
we'll have some fun. We do have awards to give out that were given out here uh, on Minor Talk. Again, if you would like to get into the program, this is the time to do it. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, it's been a while, but I always enjoy when we hear from Rustin. He's joining us uh, next on the show right now. Our phone number again, 505-6009. Rustin, welcome aboard. Thanks for the call. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Hey, Rustin, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, you got to forgive me. Now I live in Houston, so I got I'm stuck in traffic. But uh, I, um, I I didn't have an opportunity because it is really late to stay up on minor talk. But I did hear it from my father and some of the the people about you know just the negativity. Um, it, it's hilarious because you move away from El Paso and it's these teams can do no wrong over <laughs> anywhere else, other whether they win or lose. So it's it's hilarious. However, I will say this: I, I uh, got the opportunity. I, you know, I still try to keep up with whatever I can in El Paso, and always follow my my school. But I read the article today. You know, Steve, and I guess a lot of, from you and a lot of people are. You know, the offense is still stagnant. Uh, my question is this to you guys: um, They didn't score anything in the second half, but I, I personally might not have. Uh, had the math background that other people have, but I assume 20 minus 13 or whatever it was still means that UTEP still beat the other team. Is is my math still correct? Uh, that is correct. Last I checked, 20 is greater than 13. That That is accurate, okay. yes. That, that's correct, okay. And so then the next question would be, well, the offense went stagnant in the second half. I would go and say... Um, you know, I think the defense played outstanding for being on the field for 23 minutes. You can play the what-if game all day long that you want. However, I'd like to point out, if you listen to, um, I don't know who's with Teicher anymore. I think it's Mr. Boggs, Jacob. But uh, UTEP fumbled it going into the end zone. You know, so let's say let's tack on some other points if we're going to play the what-if game there. And then we missed an opportunity to catch a muff pump by New Mexico State, so let's play the what-if game there. What would be your thoughts if at halftime it's 34-0 to with the same amount of offensive output that we had now with the same defense? And let's say they scored 13 points and UTEP had seven minutes of offense. Well, it's clearly a, it's it's clearly a different case if you're up thirty four nothing because they probably would have brought the backups in and let some of the second and third stringers played instead of the first stringers and had a tight you know had a tight football game. Listen, Rustin, I I, I don't I'm not gonna you know try to tell you I, the defense is is a bright spot. You're right, but when you have been outscored forty seven to six in the second half in these three football games. And, you know, you've only scored nine points total in the first, third, and fourth quarters. And you've scored all your points, really, in the second quarter. That's the issue right now. The Miners have got to figure out a way to, uh, to to play some balanced football and 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 show some life offensively in the second half because they were clearly the better of the two teams. This shouldn't even – and don't give me the rivalry stuff. I watched that first 30 minutes of football, and they look superior to New Mexico State in every oh. single aspect. Oh, yeah, Steve. See, now that I'll agree with you on. I'll also say with uh, North Texas – it, it wasn't that they didn't score in the second half. It's, they're moving the ball. 
They couldn't punch it in. It's not that yeah. the offense can't do it. I think it's punching it in. And I will say this. A loss is a loss. So the superior team in the first game was North Texas. However, I'm not a stat person. If you look at it, you go, really, guys? You, you moved all day long on them. If you would have punched it in, it would have been a non-thought, right, with North Texas as well. So my my biggest concern is this. It's not the, the non-offense. you know offense. It's the punching it in when you have to punch it in. You know, put them away in the first half and make it 31-0. to zero. And like you said, put in the scrubs. I could care less. However, it's that, uh, I mean, if you even think about Oklahoma, not saying we would have won, but there were opportunities there where you could go into halftime and you're starting to think, uh, this could be like 24-21 to 21 because we couldn't punch it in. And so I think my only concern would be you guys got to learn to punch it in. You have to learn. You got to get away from the field goals, and you got to punch it in. You do that, I don't care really what you do in the first half. Unfortunately, we're looking at the second half because we can't punch it in in the first half. So if I'm Demo, I do the exact same thing. Hey, man, a win is a win is a win is a win, and I'm never going to put any bad limelight on a win, yeah. especially when you're 0-2. and two. But I think what we have to focus on, and I know that Dimble's focusing on, is if you punch that in, Steve, these games, including Oklahoma, really think about it, they're different games. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, Adrian, we've talked about that a lot on this show, and you know, you've talked about it on Minor Talk. They've had plenty of opportunities where they're getting nothing out of it. And that's just, and that's another thing that just can't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Rustin, but you, you just, you, you're not. You're not getting the point here. The fact is they're not punching it in. They're not scoring. You you said it yourself, and that is a problem with this offense that they can't seem to figure out. This team does not is not effective when it comes to red zone scoring. They don't punch it in when they when they need to. Uh, I don't trust their offense when it comes to red zone scoring either. So when you're talking about this offense being unreliable and uh, one that can't score, I, I mean that's a glaring issue right there. I don't care about the win. They they should have blown. They should have blew out uh, New Mexico. Mexico State in this game. That's a bad team right there. And instead, they let them come back in the second half. They went. They uh, almost got shut out in the second half. They hardly scored. They only scored three points. And all season long, we've seen it uh, in North Texas. We've seen it against Oklahoma. And now we saw it against the Aggies. In the second half, this team falls flat. They come out flat out of the halftime, and they need to fix that moving forward. So, I, I don't know, man. I, I think the offense has a lot of glaring issues right now. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yep. with you guys. I just I look at it. I, I look at it a little bit different in that you're moving the ball, so there's no issue with moving the ball. It's just getting it in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, now listen, I'm with you on that, but this isn't 2021, right? They were six and one last year, as Orly pointed out. They're two and eight since, and everybody on this show expected an eight win season. We still do. So you know, you want to see them. They have to play better than this, or they're going to have a tough time against New Mexico. They're going to struggle against Boise. They got the rest of the conference play, and I guess the point is right now, Rustin. This is a team that has been around a long time. They've been building. They won seven last year. They had a chance to beat Fresno in the bowl game. This is a team that is they, they shouldn't be making the kind of mistakes they're making given the progress they've made over the last four years. Yeah, I agree, guys. And even with Cowing going out, uh, with all the line, the running backs, I, I'm agreeing with you guys. Just my, I look at it and go, punching in in the first half, 
and <laughs> yeah, like different game. Different game, yeah. 100%, man. Hey, hey guys, listen. I appreciate it from Houston, and I, uh, hey, as always, go, go uh, UTEP. Listen on the app. Keep listening on the app. It doesn't matter what city you're in. You could be Houston. You could be uh, anywhere, and you could listen to the show uh, regularly. So now we're just we're five to eight in Houston on Mondays instead of four to seven here in El Paso. Good job, Rustin. Thanks for the call. All right, five zero five six zero zero nine. That's our telephone number. We're hanging live with you here at the Yale House. Come back with more in a moment. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Chema. So there's a full house right now at our six hundred ESPN El Paso uh, Lubingo Studios. In the control room. It is packed. Good thing it's busy. Is it hard, by the way? Adrian, is it tight for three, or is three doable? I, I think I'm I, I'm not the right person to ask. I think Chema is the better person to ask for this one, Steve, because she's experiencing this for the first time. I'm kind of used to this. So I yeah, think I you have to swing it over to Chema on this one. Chema, there's a uh, sports talk house party going on right now in the control room where you are since UTEP Zay just walked in. Uh, and Adrian's already there. Uh, from your perspective, uh, Chema, as a relative newbie to this radio station, how tight is the fit when three are in the room? You know what? I feel like three is a – it's a little – it's like crowded, but it's not crowded because we all have our little stations here. Three's company, though. Three's company, right? Right. So, all right. So you're okay. So you tell me that uh, you're going to be all right with, uh, with both uh, UTEP Zay and Adrian. It's not going to be too difficult. All not right. too That's difficult. Good to know. It's going to be fun. Happy to hear that. Um, I'll get Zay's thoughts in a little bit. He did his stock uh, his stock watch for UTEP after the game on uh, Saturday. Uh, and a whole lot more coming up. But first, let's go to Daniel. He's waiting patiently. Daniel, thanks for getting in. What's going on? I've waited all weekend for this, Steve. Well, now you're here, Daniel. Good to have you. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Don't get angry with me. I don't want the people upset to get angry, but... That UTEP game was a tie. It was a tie. How exactly was it a tie? Well, UTEP won the first half. Mexico State won the second half. Like you said, Dimmel has to go. Not score, only scoring three points in the second half. That's bad. That is bad. Now, um, you do realize that Dana Dimmel is under contract for this season and two more seasons after that. Well, if New Mexico State did not cough the football up inside the UTEP 10 with about a minute and change to go in the fourth, they could have scored and it would have been, what, 20-20? Yep, could have been. Or they could have gone for two to beat them. That's another thing they could have tried to do. Jerry Kill might have gambled and felt, you know, I got nothing to lose here. I'm, you know, let's uh, forget overtime. I want to beat him in regulation. That could have happened too. So yeah, sure, and New Mexico right. State shook. They are showing improvement. They are showing rapid improvement. Well, they were god awful in the first half, but they did they they did improve in the second half. And you know, now they got to go play Wisconsin, who, by the way, is not going to be particularly thrilled that they lost this past weekend. So uh, they're going to probably try to take their frustrations out on the Aggies. So. The, the only problem right now in New Mexico State this season is since they're not in a conference, Daniel, they got to play some really uh, big money games. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, going from Utah to uh, Wisconsin is a pretty big jump. That's true. I'd also like to make this comment. I think the New Mexico game that Utah has to play will basically determine Utah's season. In you know, the sense that if they win... 
Yes. If if they win, Daniel, are you saying that UTEP will have a winning season, and if they lose, uh, it uh, will probably be a losing season? Is that kind of what you're saying with this New Mexico game? Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's an accurate picture. So, uh, I appreciate the call, and your last statement is the most interesting thing you said in this call. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter who won each half, uh, UTEP still wins the game with points. So that's that's that. And you're not, Dana Dimmel's not getting fired. That's not happening either. But the New Mexico comment is interesting to me, Adrian, because uh, he could be on to something there. I mean, it's very possible that the end result of that New Mexico game does tell whether or not UTEP's going to have a winning season this year. Well, you know, somebody just recently tweeted us and talked about five wins. The magic number is five. In order for UTEP to get to that five, I think that you have to get that win at New Mexico because now that we're starting to look at what this UTEP team has to offer and we can kind of see the rest of the season the way that it's laid out, they need as many of these early season wins as possible to get ready for their conference schedule, which, yeah, it, it, eases, it eases up a little bit. But with this whole team the way that they are, you got to get every win you can. I like the point by Daniel. I agree with him. I think that this season will, I mean, this season will be kind of dictated based on what's, what's the result on Saturday. Let's wrap up the hour with Baba Ganoush. He'll finish it off in our final uh, minute and a half or so. What's going on, Baba Ganoush? I just wanted to say... UTEP is very average. They, we all had all these high expectations, and Harley touched on it earlier. They're 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 two and six, I think, in their last eight games. And think about it, Steve. Which good team did they beat last season? What was their best win last season? Old Dominion, right? If I recall correctly, it was Old Dominion. Yeah, I mean, Louisiana Tech was terrible, so you could make the argument that Old Dominion was the uh, was their best win. Sure. Okay. So one of those two, but neither of them are like great football program. I mean, not Correct. recently, right? I mean, Live Tech has some success, but I mean, we just kind of all thought they were going to get better after last year, and yep. they played great in the bowl game. They really played their best game of the season in that bowl game, and I really thought like, hey, this is going to be, you know, we're going to be really good. I'm super excited about this year. And then the North Texas game happened, and we said, okay, maybe they're, you know, first game, whatever, here and there. Drop touchdown pass, changes the whole thing, whatever, right? Okay, we gave them the pass on that one. They played pretty decent, even though I think they lost by, what, three or four touchdowns to Oklahoma. And then, so Saturday night, you think, okay, they're just going to come out like world beaters. They're going to beat, you know, this not very good New Mexico State team, which I think is going to be really good in two years with Jerry Kill. And they just didn't do that. And it's just, that's who they are, like, we were thinking they were better than they are just because of how they finished the season last year against Fresno State, and they're just not that good. Like yep. In reality, yep. they're not that good. I don't think Gavin Hardison's that great. I've been seeing that for like two years. Give Brown holds a shot because he at least can run it more. Hardison misses a ton of open passes. I've been saying that for two years. Just Let's just change it up. The offense isn't going to change. You might as well put a quarterback back there that can run a little bit. I just I'm sick of building these guys up to what they're not. And in reality, and this weekend, the second half, where they barely beat a quarterback who doesn't even look like he deserves, belongs on a Division One football field. No offense, the kid played out of his mind, and he plays as hard as he can. But that dude, any other team, probably kills them by three or four touchdowns in the second half, and UTEP beats them by three. They're just they're very, very average, and we have to all 
come to that realization that they're very average, and they'll win maybe four games because, you know, they'll beat some really bad teams along the way, but that's all they are. Papa Ganoush, appreciate the call. Wrap us up, hour one in the books. Come back with hour two next as Sports Talk continues live from Border City Alehouse. It is great to be back here at Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino, along with Chema, Adrian Broadus, soon to be UTEP Zay. We're going to have a full house in our Lubingo studios this afternoon. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm Steve It's hanging with you here at the Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino, where we've got so much going on. Monday Night Football kicks off in a couple of hours. You can watch the game here with us. It is a tradition. It is a football tradition, folks. Monday Night Football with Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso. And, yes, we will have the opportunity for you to uh, enjoy Seattle and Denver. Gets going here in about uh, two hours and ten minutes. Looking forward to that. We'll be giving away prizes as well, too. we got a lot of prizes. We've got two family five-packs. That's right. Not family four-packs. Family five-packs of uh, Chihuahua's tickets for Wednesday night's big game against Round Rock. Uh, that's going to be given away. We also have a pair of tickets for Disney on Ice. That's Sunday, October 9th at the El Paso County Coliseum. It's a 12 o'clock show for Disney on Ice. We'll be giving those away as well. And uh, then we've got lots of other great prizes. We've got a uh, baseball cap, a blackened baseball cap. That is the official Metallica um, whiskey, blackened whiskey. And we're giving away the Metallica blackened whiskey ball cap uh, here on the show today. Excited about that. And, of course, our friends at All That Music and Video, uh, who have opened in a much larger space, by the way, at the Fountains of Farah. I was excited when I stopped by, saw the new store, newly remodeled and expanded at the Fountains of Farah, uh, directly below the Best Buy parking lot. And they've got everything you need. Everything you need, folks. Posters, patches, buttons, pop culture items. How about 180-gram vinyl, vintage vinyl as well, CDs, DVDs, all categories, all prices. And they're going to be giving us some great items to give away here today. We've got a Seahawks and a Broncos bottle opener. We've also got DVDs um, for both teams. Broncos, 1997 Super Bowl champions. We'll give that away. Seahawks. Super Bowl championship uh, DVD Blu-ray. We're going to be giving that one away as well from the 2013 season. Plus, I've got what is probably now a collectible, a gold um, Russell Wilson Funko. That's right, a gold version of the Russell Wilson Funko from his Seattle days. That's very cool. We've also got, uh, in addition, a Jerry Judy Pop Funko as well so very cool prizes we'll give those away at halftime tonight of the football game happy to have you with us happy to be here coming your way today live from border city alehouse where this saturday night canelo triple g part three ten dollars at the door uh you want reservations call border city alehouse for details on how you can reserve a table Plus, we got great specials here tonight. Three, four, five dollar pints because it's pint night on Mondays. Four dollar fireball, five dollar Jack and Jack flavors as well here at the Ale House for you. So, yeah, we are loaded. All right, 
Let's just set the tone for the show very quickly as we get started because we've got so much to cover, so much to talk about. Three hours is not enough time. But, Adrian, let's begin with the biggest stories of the weekend for us. First and foremost, Miners win the Battle of I-10. It wasn't pretty, especially in the second half, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. We've written about it in depth. We've got stories from you, stories from me, stories from UTEP Zay. A lot of good stuff on the website. They were lucky to get out of the Sun Bowl with a win. And you can talk rivalry all you want. You could talk about how you don't throw the records out the window. Listen, no sugarcoating it. UTEP did not play a good second half at all. Defense was on the field for almost the entire fourth quarter. And, uh, Adrian, uh, once again, the hardest part about this UTEP football team is at times they look good, at times they don't look good. And lucky for them, they were able to uh, not blow a 17-point lead and uh, leave that game 20-13 to winners for the first time this season. They were fortunate to get out of the Battle of I-10 with the win. And for UTEP moving forward, I think they've got serious issues on offense. I'll, I'll be brief because I know we're going to get into everything later on. They've got uh, they've got less talent than they had last year on defense, but they still somehow managed to make plays, which I think you can appreciate if you're a UTEP fan uh, looking at this defense. And then finally, I just don't know what's going on in the second half. Miners have been outscored 47 points to just six points by opponents in the second half of games. And it seems like we're watching and witnessing a whole new team. Every time UTEP comes out of halftime, that has to get uh, fixed moving forward if they hope to have success this year. We'll talk about that. We'll talk other college football, the Alabama-Texas game, game of the day. Uh, If you're a Texas uh, fan, you will not have a better chance ever to beat Alabama than you did on Saturday. And that was after losing Quinn Ewers uh, to the injury, and he's going to be out about the next four to six weeks. Tough, tough break for Texas. Hudson Card came in. They blew the field goal at the end of the first half. They had opportunities to shut down Oklahoma in that last drive. Couldn't wrap up Young. And, hey, Give all the credit in the world to Alabama. This is why they're the number one team in the country year after year and why they win so many games. Adrian, they find ways to win. They did so again on Saturday. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking loss, though. It gave me Colt McCoy flashbacks for uh, the Texas and Alabama series. I mean, uh, McCoy goes out due to an injury in that Bama game uh, in 2009 National Championship. And then you look at this game. It's Quinn Ewers out early on, and he was having a lot of success. It's it's the ultimate what-if in this situation. I thought Texas was going to hang on, but you can't Mm -hmm. give Alabama the ball with that much time and uh, give a lot of credit to Bryce Young. He's a phenomenal quarterback, and he showed what he's able to do on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, There were colossal upsets as well. Notre Dame goes down. A&M goes down to Appalachian State. That's a monster. Our first coaching casualty, Scott Frost out at Nebraska. So much to happen and talk about in the world of college football. Pro football, yesterday, all the games, upsets galore you want to start we can go through all the teams that lost that uh, you aren't expecting to lose cowboys the loss is not just the loss the loss of Dak prescott who was not playing well before he got hurt but nobody needs him out six to eight weeks that is such a blow to this team and now cowboys fans are going to get on jerry jones for not having a backup plan to prescott and instead throwing cooper rush into the mix uh i'm sure we are counting down the seconds before conrad calls in and is ready to just spew his venom on this program so that i'm sure we'll talk about 19 to 3 
Brady wasn't great, but he didn't need to be because the Bucks dominated Dallas yesterday. That's just one of a handful of games. Speaking of not great, the Packers looked awful yesterday, blowing their offensive opportunities when they had them, losing to the Vikings 23-7. That was a shocker. Didn't expect the Giants to beat the Titans. Didn't expect uh, Dabble to go for two. He did. He gambled. He won. That was a huge game over the weekend. Steelers beat the Bengals. Nobody expected that. Nobody expected Joe Burrow to throw three picks. I didn't think the Bears would beat the 49ers. They did. Saints come back to beat the Falcons after they were down huge in that game. That was a shock. The only things that were not surprises yesterday, the fact that the Jets lost. That's about the only guarantee we had yesterday in football. Jets lose 24-9 to the Ravens at home. We could talk all the NFL you want. Adrian, we could fill up a 10-hour show on just the NFL games alone yesterday. Yeah, just very very entertaining. Football is back. It was that day to lounge on your couch, watch eight hours of football, just take everything in, see what who are which team are pretenders, which team are kind of those early contenders. We saw some overtime games like the Colts and Texans game, which ended up being a tie, uh, and we saw some fireworks in games like the Chargers and the Raiders that simply just went back and forth nonstop. Uh, I just loved seeing NFL back in action. A lot of changes across the board as well with all these different teams. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Steve. That uh, Steelers-Bengals game had to be my favorite. Uh, that game was insane, bizarre from the get-go. And uh, I'm just so happy football's back. I'll just be Me honest too. with you. Tim Hardaway gets enshrined into Springfield over the weekend. That happened, too. I'm telling you, folks, all the high school action we had, there is so, so much for us to talk about on our Monday edition of Sports Talk Live. All right, two lines are available right now. 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to Sports Talk. Let's get to the phones and begin with Orly. First up this afternoon, Orly. Welcome aboard. Happy Monday. Thanks for the call. Thanks for getting in today. Well, let's start off with you, Jeff, first of all. You know it's going to be a bad night when you have the entrance coming out of the tunnel, and supposedly there's no fireworks, but they have something on the side that fizzled out. It came out with white puff smoke. So, you know, that's bad. There's no enthusiasm in the, in the stands. Uh, no celebration after a touchdown, which we don't make many anyway. But my biggest problem is you've got a 17 to nothing lead. you got about four minutes to go in the half, and he runs three straight plays. How about trying to score before half? Uh, just like he – I felt he plays not to lose. And got very conservative. Second half was horrible. And you look at the second half of every game, somehow the other team, the opposing teams, coaches go and adjust. Do we adjust at halftime? I don't think so. Sure doesn't look like it. Um, let me say this. Let me say, let me say, let me say this. The momentum okay. of that football game swung 180 degrees on the fumbled punt return uh, in the second half. Uh, they were in total control, both sides of the ball. They were running the ball. They hadn't scored all that many points. They only had 17, but they were dominating. New Mexico State didn't even look like they belonged on the same field. But as soon as Bellin fumbled the return on the punt, I thought that that was the turning point that swung the entire game in New Mexico State's uh, favor in the second half. One play 
should not dictate a game when you're winning 17 nothing. But they scored quickly after that. They started to keep themselves in range. The minor offense couldn't get on the field, couldn't get do anything offensively. The defense couldn't get off the field. Orly, to me, that was the point in the second half that really turned it all around. It should never have come down to that. They should have been yep. so far ahead. Okay, right. second. Uh, okay, you realize since we went six and one last year, we've gone two and eight. Has anybody brought that up? Two and eight are starting six and one. That includes the loss of the bowl game. So yep, that's no good point. Cowboys or Niners this year? Oh, Cowboys. Niners, Niners, I guarantee you, Trey Lance goes three games like this. You've got Jimmy G in the back holding, coming in. The fans are not going to put up with it. You've got a team that's built to win now. You've got a good defense. You've got an offense. All you need is a quarter. You can't, and the young man is 23 times he's played a game. you got to give him a chance, but I don't know if he did. I mean, it's frustrating. I think if they, I'll hate to see them bench him, but they may have to if they want to turn the season around. If he does bad the next two games, he's got the 49ers have Seattle next week, then they've got to go into Denver, and then they've got the Rams, and then they've got Atlanta and Carolina. Yep, appreciate it, Orly. That's a, I mean, you look at the schedule, there's some winnable games, winnable games for them for sure. All right. Let's go to Richard from the west side. Then we'll take a break. Come back with more of your phone calls, more of your tweets here on a Monday afternoon. Richard, thanks for getting in. How are you, Steve? I'm fine, Richard. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm going to make this real quick. I realized sure. this weekend, UTEP minor fan, Dallas Cowboy fan are exactly the same person. Exactly <laughs> the same. We're going to win the conference. We're going to win the division. We beat up on teams that we have to beat up on. We play to the lowest caliber team that we're playing in. Everybody thinks they're going to win. So for Orly, I respect him, but he's a closet Cowboy fan. And the 49ers and the Cowboys are both 0-1. Last thing I have to say, you're saying that Texas lost, you know, 
I'm Richard from the West. You know, we've talked. Texas, you know what? For having a second string hampered quarterback in that game, they lost by a point or, you know, I don't know how much, but it was a close game. And overall, yep. I'm going to say this for Alabama fans, Texas holds a record. We're 7-2-1 against well, Alabama. I'll tell you this much. It should have been 8-1-1. That's the way it went. should have been 8-1-1. But I'm with you Again, on that you, I'm with you. And you, before you let me go, Steve, let's be honest. When you were stays in the game, what was he? He was like for 140 yards in the first quarter. He, yeah, he was amazing. Quinn Ewers doesn't yeah. get hurt. We're not talking about the same game We're not, or the same result. We're not. I mean, there's just no way. We're not. We're not. So. And I'm just saying the future is bright for Texas. He would have embarrassed Alabama if he would have stayed in the game. And that was a dirty hit. All I got to say last, before I leave, Cowboys and Utah fan, you're the exact same person. The exact same person. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Hey, good to hear from you, Richard. Thanks for the call. 18 pass. Charlie's next. We'll come back. More phone calls, more tweets. Stay with us uh, here on a Monday. It's Sports Talk Live from the Yale House, 600 ESPN El Paso. 21 past the hour. Continuing here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. We're live. Border City Yale House, where we got three, four, five dollar pints, four dollar fireball, five dollar jack, five dollar jack flavors. Canelo Triple G this Saturday, 10 bucks at the door. You can call. 599-2828 for reservation details. We're going to be giving away so many prizes at halftime. It is amazing. My prizes have grown. Thank you, Connie, for bringing me prizes like a very cool travel umbrella. We're going to give that away. We've got a blanket from ESD um, Recycling. We've got also a charger from ESD. This is a very cool charger. It's one of those big... Uh, bricks adrian that has like uh ten thousand uh maus to it or okay, MAHs, I, lo- I should say i love those steve because i like taking those when i've got a long day ahead of me and yep. i just and I, I have no clue if i'm going to be next to an outlet or something like that so that i'd be all over that prize right there oh i was excited i almost took it when she brought it. i was like oh is that for me she's like no that's to give away i said okay connie but thank you for doing that really really cool prize we're also going to be giving away get this we got more prizes like uh, metallica blackened whiskey we've got their official blackened uh ball cap it's a black cap snapback as well and uh, it's got blackened uh, across the front. It's a sweet-looking cap. We're going to be giving that away today at halftime. Plus, uh, from our friends at uh, All That Music and Video, where they have now opened uh, to a larger space, the newly remodeled and expanded spot at the Fountains of Farrah, directly below the Best Buy parking lot. We've got uh, a couple of uh, Funkos. We've got the Jerry Judy Funko. We've got the collectible gold edition Russell Wilson Funko for you Seattle fans. We've got DVDs of their Super Bowl wins. We also have bottle openers uh, for both the um, Broncos and the Seahawks from, again, all that music and video, vinyl, CDs, video, gifts. You can discover record collecting at the Fountains of Farrah with all that music uh, and video. Plus, we're going to be giving away family five packs. You've heard of family four packs. Well, these are different. These are family five packs for Wednesday night's Chihuahuas game against Round Rock, 635 first pitch. It's Veterans Appreciation Night. We'll give two five packs away here at halftime. And if that's not enough prizes, how about Disney on Ice? We'll do that for the Sunday 12 noon show out at the El Paso County Coliseum. The theme this year is Road Trip Adventures. 
for Disney on Ice. So, yeah, we got a ton of great prizes. Ton of great prizes. We're going to be giving away here at the half. All right, 24 past the hour. We'd love to get the phone lines going again this hour. 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Just confirmed. Russ Bradbird will join us. He will join us at 6 o'clock. Russ Bradbird, former UTEP uh, assistant coach, former New Mexico State assistant. He also is responsible for uh, bringing Tim Hardaway to uh, El Paso. And he was at Springfield for the Tim Hardaway Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. So we'll get Coach Russ on the show at 6 to talk about what Springfield Mass was like this past weekend for the great number 10, Tim Hardaway. So really excited about that part of the show as well. All right, uh, just to set the tone for the program in case you're joining us late, UTEP football has dominated the discussion. Cowboys as well. Uh, Cowboys fans, is the season over after one week? I guess that's the question I'm asking. Is the season over? And here's another question, Adrian. Considering the Cowboys have Cooper Rush and no Dak for the next six to eight weeks, does this give Mike McCarthy a pass if the Cowboys tank over the next four to six weeks and don't make the playoffs? No, not at all. I thought you were going to ask me, do the Cowboys look to try to trade for a quarterback? Because if I'm Mike McCarthy right now, I know the writing is on the wall. I know uh, that they need a quarterback right now and that his time is limited. I'm talking about Mike McCarthy. So now, if you're the Cowboys, you have to go out there and look for a trade. I don't know if it's, uh, you you look at uh, somebody like maybe Gardner Minshew, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that the Eagles would like to trade within the division. Maybe you convince, now this is kind of crazy, Steve, but maybe you convince somebody like Ryan Fitzmagic to come back out of retirement and join the Cowboys just to be a a standing quarterback right now. Or do you look at another free agent like Cam Newton and see if you could do something with him? But Cooper Rush isn't the answer. That's all I'm saying right there. All right. Well, listen, you had, uh, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I'm with you on that one. I don't think Cooper's the answer either. I'm wondering, though, if Cowboys fans feel like the season's already over. Like, do you feel like after the first week, your season is gone? As a Jet fan, I feel the season's gone before the season even starts. All right? So the truth is, they lost to the Ravens yesterday, which I expected, and they scored nine points, and Joe Flacco looks like he's a 1,000. Um, I-, I know for a fact the season's over. Um, Cowboys fans... Would love to get your thoughts on that, especially after what the Eagles did yesterday in Detroit, coming back and winning that football game 38-35. So we could talk about all the shocking games from Sunday because look at what happened on Sunday. Look at the playoff caliber teams that lost this week in the NFL. Start with the Rams. They lost to the Bills on Thursday. Then yesterday, teams that you expect to go to the playoffs that lost. 49ers, they lost to the Bears. Bengals lost to the Steelers. Um, Let's keep it moving, all right? Panthers, some people think the Panthers are going to win the NFC South. They lost to the Browns yesterday. How about the Titans losing at home to the Giants, who went for two? Or the Packers scoring seven points on the road in Minnesota and losing badly to the Vikings? The Cardinals laid a colossal egg at home against the Chiefs, who looked amazing. Mahomes, 360 and five touchdowns. Oh, my goodness. What a game they had. I've heard Raiders are going to win the division. They didn't even beat the Chargers yesterday. 
lost 24-19. And then, of course, the Cowboys losing to the Bucks. There were a ton, and I mean a ton, of NFL upsets from Sunday. Teams you expect to win that just did not play well. So you want to talk about that. You want to talk about A&M losing to Appalachian State. You want to talk about Marshall beating Notre Dame. Does Notre Dame now have a chance for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? They're 0-2. So you know they're not going to be in a playoff. Maybe they'll end up having a, a subpar 7-5 and season, 8-4, and 6-6, and and be in the running here in El Paso. That could also be a, a situation that we need to monitor here this year, and we'll do that Wednesday with Bernie on the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. Hey, I'm back, so Steve. I'm back, by the way. I had six uh, picks this yes. week. I know you and Bernie had four. Uh, well, how the tables have turned, huh? Yes. How the tables have turned. Oh, my God. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Michael Scott lines. By the way, um, here's what's funny. The uh, You're now tied with me, by the way. So relax. Uh, let's not get too excited. We are now tied, and Bernie is last between the three of us. But you had a decent week. I was awful. And you want to know something? I saw, like, Bo Bagley picked three out of ten. Oh, no, Bo. Come on. Well, I, I like the fact that we are calling out people. I like the fact that we could see everybody on the weekly leaderboard, oh, yeah. board, so we can kind of like scout and see who's Listen. playing this week after week. So I love this. As in, I was garbage. I am not going to sugarcoat it. Anybody that picks straight up winners and goes four out of ten is garbage. So I had an awful, awful week. Adriana Tupper didn't. She won. So congratulations, uh, winning. By the way, do you realize that the first two winners of the Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest have been women? What does that tell you about picking games? Who cares what sex you are? Um, I'm obviously garbage so far. And, I mean, you know, let's be honest. You're bragging going 6-10. and 10. That gives you the extent of how you've picked games so far this year. Yeah, it's just terrible, Steve. I, I mean, I started off with four picks uh, in the first week, so it was garbage. This Ugh. week, I'm, I'm, I'm still failing. So I'm, I'm trying to get to a passing record record right now uh and two females winning not surprised at all females know their football they're better than us i'm not gonna tell you they're better than us uh i think we're what are we combined 10 out of 20 so far that's right you and i are combined 10 out of 20 that's That's right so bad and bernie i think is like uh i don't know he's like nine out of 20 so yeah it's not good Or, or or eight out of 20 whatever he is all right look We've got two calls to get to, but it is the bottom of the hour. It is the middle of the show. Let's get to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. And then, Ed, Eric, you're up next as we continue. Much. Uh, by the way, this came from Pinky on the app. Cowboy season is over. No star quarterback. Receivers are weak. Play calling also for Cowboys was bad. Too many deep passes, short and quick passes, slants, running backs out of the backfield. That also goes for Miners passing. That's uh, Pinky out in Santa Teresa listening to us on our mobile app. And uh, if you have not downloaded the mobile app, please do so. It is, in fact, uh, brought to you by First American Bank, local since 1903. Phones we go. First, Ed, then Eric. 33 pass. The sports talk continues. One line open, 505-6009. Ed, what's going on? How are you? Good, Ed. How are you? Good. You know, I've actually uh, been a little overwhelmed with all the negativity. So 
um, I wanted to call up and talk about something more positive than just bashing the team that I love, the coach and his staff. Uh, so let's let's move on here. Let's go to something more positive. Sounds good to me. All right. Now, let me just talk about the minors. Uh, maybe there's people that don't have confidence with them, but I want to go back to 2020. We played a very competitive game against Louisiana Tech on the virus season. Yep. And then last year, we beat Southern Miss on the road. We played very competitively against North Texas on the road. We actually played very competitively against UAB, but then we had like three special teams mishaps. But we were playing pretty competitively. And then we also played competitively against one of the Florida schools on the road. Um, So I have no problem with them going and playing competitively against UNM. It's still going to be a tough game, but I I like the Miners. So here's what I'm saying. If the Miners beat UNM, then we'll probably have an increase in attendance, probably all the way up to 35,000. But if they don't, I still think there's going to be quite a few people that are going to be sitting on the fence saying, should we go to the Boise games? The Boise game's going to be on a Friday night. It's going to be nationally televised. I think there's quite a bit of adrenaline right there. So, uh, And then last but least, I wanted to have a shout-out for a couple of players that I felt you missed on your report. Um, one of them is uh, number nine. He's a quarterback. He got a lot of playing time. And the other one is uh, number number zero, defensive end Maurice Westmoreland. He was also yep. doing a lot of playing time. So these are, you know, Dimmel continues to shuffle his offense and defensive players around, and these are guys that I noticed were getting a lot of playing time. So I just wanted to mention those guys. I think you were talking about Latrez Shelton, the cornerback who they were able to get out of Iowa Western Community College. Definitely him. And number uh, zero, yep. uh, Maurice. I like I him. Had... I, I like I like Westmoreland a lot. I think he is. He could turn into one of the better players on their defensive line before it's all said and done. Yeah, and I also like this offensive lineman who's been getting a lot of time too. Number fifty-four, Stephen Hubbard. Yep, he's another one. Uh, now Hubbard has been around a while. He's a redshirt junior. They got him from Kilgore College. Um, it wasn't Hubbard was with him last year, right, uh, Adrian? That's exactly right. Yep. He's getting a little bit more playing time now, shifting a little things on the offensive line. And so Hubbard is somebody who's been with this team uh, he, yep. he uh, for a while now, and now he's getting some opportunities, some more minutes. And uh, I think Ed was referring to UTEP Zay's article as far as uh, some players that we missed out on. Ah. But he did include Maurice Westmoreland in his kind of like the next players up in his stock article. There you go. All right, good job, Ed. Appreciate the phone calls. We continue. I'm going to get to Zay in a moment. Let's go to Eric. He's next on the show, 37 past the hour. Eric, what's going on? Hey, Steve, Adrian, how you doing? BFM here. Hey, man, what's happening, BFM? Doing good. Hey, uh, you know, I wanted to follow up on some of the calls that have come through, and uh, actually the one on the app that just came through with Vicky was pretty much spot on with what I was going to say. Uh, a lot of the callers have already mentioned some of the things I wanted to say about the adjustments at halftime. I mean, I'm sure coaches make adjustments. It just seems we're being outcoached in the second half as far as the minors go. They squeaked out a win, barely. I was at the game, and I was surprised to see such a lack of attendance there myself. But uh, I'm also a diehard Cowboy fan, and 
I don't want to go outright and say the season's over, but it's uh, it's pretty close. We only need one or two more nails for that coffin. You know, there's well, a lot of things that I wanted to see different from last year to this year, such as penalties, you know, and being able to stop the running game from other teams. And it just hasn't happened yet, at least not in the first game. And I'm a little concerned as I start looking at the next few games, especially with the quality of teams we got. And I could easily see, you know, one or two wins in the next seven weeks, and that's about it. I like Cooper Rush. Don't get me wrong. I think he's okay as a serviceable backup. But as a starter in this league, I don't see him getting the Cowboys more than maybe two or three wins out of the next eight. Your thoughts, guys? Well, let me say this, okay? I keep talking about the Eagles. The Commanders beat the Jags, and the Giants beat the Titans. So three of the four teams in that division are 1-0 right now, and the Cowboys are the only team without a win. Um, I'm with you on Cooper Rush. Uh, you do not I – mean, listen, he's not played enough to, to feel comfortable about throwing him in for half a season, which is what this could turn into. That is a major, major um, commitment, and that's why – if you're the Cowboys, you know, you have to look at possibly swinging a trade for a veteran quarterback. I I just don't know if they're going to do that until they at least see what Cooper Rush can do um, as far as that goes. And, you know, um, listen, when it comes to uh, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the season, I'm with you. But the Cowboys had a hard, they had a hard challenge even before last night's game. I mean, you look at their schedule, BFM, after this week. They have to play the Bengals at home, the Giants, and then the Commanders, and then they have the Rams, Eagles, Lions, and Bears. And you want to know something? Bears beat San Francisco. Lions should have beat the Eagles. Eagles won. Rams are going to be hungry when that game takes place. Commanders won. The Giants won. And the Bengals are going to be mad next week. So it's not an easy start for the Cowboys. Thanks for your time, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for the phone call. All right. 505-6009. Let's get to Enrique, and then we'll take a break here on Sports Talk. Enrique, go ahead. Thanks for the call. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'll try to make this real sweet and easy. Um, I think the season is over for the Cowboys, mainly because it's not just Dak. It's that whole offensive line. We let Aleo Collins go. We let Amari Cooper go for barely nothing. We have no identity when it comes to the offense. Our defense barely kept us in. You know, Micah Parsons is showing his, his consistency, which is great, but the offense has no identity. And that's going to follow into what I wanted to say about UTEP, is UTEP's offense also doesn't have an identity. I want to get your take of what you, if you think the transfer portal is hurting UTEP or helping UTEP, because UTEP was supposed to have a productive offense this year looking in, but we lost our number one receiver. So it's not... It's not looking good for the Miners going into playing Boise State next week. You know, they're a tough team, and every time we've been playing them, we, we always come up short. Yeah, I wrote about this, about the number one receiver, and I, and I agree with you. I mean, Tyron Smith is the closest we have right now to, just, to uh, Jacob Cowing, but he's not Jacob Cowing, and that's the thing. I mean... Cowing made spectacular play after spectacular play. Smith's been a reliable target, and so is Ray Flores. But there, I mean, it's you feel almost as if you know you had Cowing and Garrett. Now you have Smith, and you have uh, and you have Flores and Adrian. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. There is a drop off in receivers this year. 
Yeah, there is, and I, I blame the recruiting. I don't necessarily blame the transfer portal because uh, the transfer portal, I, and this was, in, he, Enrique is not the first person to mention this, but UTEP only really lost Jacob Cowing to the transfer portal. Everybody else graduated. I mean, you could look at some of the talented players, even like Davion Inyang from last year, guys like Josh Caldwell, guys who just graduated. So yeah. over the offseason, the UTEP coaching staff went out and recruited some mid-year transfer guys, but they might not have succeeded in getting a guy who could come in and replace Jacob Cowing right away. I think you probably needed a D1 transfer uh, to supplement the loss of Jacob Cowing, and they tried to supplement it with some guys from the junior college ranks. I'm not saying it's over for guys like Kelly Arkari, but we just haven't seen it yet out of the wide receiver group, and uh, I, I'm looking for one of those guys out of the JUCO ranks to step up and, and fill that void. I'm with you on that one. All right, good run of calls, 42 pass, back with more Sports Talk Live. Border City Ale House continuing up till 7 o'clock right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Seattle and Denver do battle. You got it. Um, I do. I need it back because I only have one, okay? Um, this next call is somebody that we've been waiting for. We knew he would call in, and now uh, we get the opportunity to say hello to 3 2 one Conrad is with us on the phone lines. Conrad, welcome aboard. We've been waiting for you. Hey, Steve. Yeah, just got into town. Uh, Where were you? Uh, Phoenix. Yeah, that's oh. my my regular trip uh, every month. Nice. Okay. Uh, you know, I, before this season even started, I, you know, I, I pretty much already called what was going to happen in this game. You know, I, 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 I picked the Cowboys to go 5-12 and 12, uh, before anything ever happened. You just kind of saw what was going on with the offensive line. You know, you got, you know, the Jones uh, over there paying guys like Tyron Smith, who hasn't finished the season, and I don't even remember when the last time he finished the season was. He's out before the season even starts, so that, that guy's out that you're paying the, the big contract to. Could have used that money maybe to get some serviceable uh, offensive linemen. I knew without any protection, Dak is bad enough, yep. inaccurate enough when he has good protection. So I said, forget it. This guy's not even going to make it. I said he'd make it to the Cincinnati game, and then he'd get knocked out. So I, it was a game, a game earlier, I guess, than I thought. You're paying a guy like uh, Amari Cooper. Well, first of all, you give up two first-round draft picks for him to get him. Then you pay him $20 million a year for a couple of years, decide to cut him. Could he use those draft picks and the money maybe for a, a serviceable uh, receiver? You know? Maybe that would have been something to, to, to do. Uh, you got McCarthy that supposedly, you know, he's making all these moves with practice squad and all that. I was reading the column by uh, Mickey Spagnola that that's going to hurt him because he's got guys on practice squad that might not even be able to, to come in because uh, they, they can only bring them up a few times a year. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. It's a mess. I mean, this guy, Joe, I mean, and Jones is finally, and, and he's finally going to see it. You know, you saw, I don't know if you saw the game. But that, that look that he had in the press box was priceless. priceless. I was actually uh, at the I, I was at the Iron Maiden concert last night, so I missed the game. But um, um, all I can tell you is I'm happy I went to the show because I would not have been happy watching that football game if I'm a Cowboys fan, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I, I wish I would have gone with you. I'll tell you <laughs> what, I mean, it, it, it's just, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's just a culmination of 25 years of futility. That's what it is. I mean, Jones, he needs to wake up. You know, I, I saw him in an interview uh, for one of the preseason games. He's telling Mickey Spagnuolo, yeah, you're, just wait uh, for this defensive line. Oh, man, it reminds me of those 90s uh, Super Bowl teams we have. You know, we can bring them in and out, in and out. 
Yeah, they, they did decent. They also got gas for 175 yards in the, uh, in the rushing game. You know, uh, other than Michael Parsons, no pressure on the quarterback. You know, it's just the same old story, Steve. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, this year they're five and I, I would say maybe worse than five and twelve because I didn't think Dak would get that bad, you know, hurt that bad. But you know, are you I, a, I, I are think, you a, are you a Cooper Rush fan? I mean, Cooper Rush is going to do as good as Cooper Rush can do. You know, maybe he wins a game or two in the next eight weeks or whatever. Dak Prescott is out. But that, I mean, that's it. And then McCarthy, I'm going to tell you, McCarthy's gone, regardless of who's playing. After they lose to Detroit, I think game seven, game eight, McCarthy's gone. He's history. Well, I'll tell you this, Conrad, and I appreciate the call. One of my bold predictions this year, Adrian, is that um, they will have a new head coach, and um, it will be a familiar name to uh, a lot of Cowboy fans. Because I do believe when it's all said and done that Sean Payton will be the next Dallas Cowboys head football coach. I called this last offseason. I'll uh, agree with you here, Steve. I think Sean Payton's it's the writing is on the wall. He's the next head coach for the Cowboys. Uh, Mike McCarthy, first coach fired, or do you look at another coach, uh, possibly like Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers? Is he the first head coach fired? I, I think it's going to be a, a race right now between those two coaches to see who gets canned first. Very interesting. All right. Hey, two hours down, one to go. Looking forward to spending our final hour with you as Sports Talk continues live. Border City L House here on 600 ESPN El Paso. As uh, our final hour of Sports Talk continues live, Border City L House, our home, 1506 Lee Trevino, giving away tons of prizes here at halftime of the Monday night game between Seattle and Denver. Russell Wilson's homecoming in week one. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman holding ESPN mics. It's weird, Adrian. It's weird. That is so weird. It's not. We're not seeing them on Sunday. We're not seeing them on Fox after the, the Fox countdown. Instead, we see them on ESPN trying to salvage a booth that's just been terrible, god-awful for the past you know half decade. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is a, it's a nice refresher that we get those two. I'm with you. Anyway, come down. You can enjoy um, personal brick oven pizzas. They've got brisket sandwiches, street tacos, the classic wings as well, chicken sandwiches, the half-pound burgers. It's all here at Border City Ale House. Also, Triple G Canelo. That's coming up on Saturday. Ten bucks is what they want to get you in. That's a bargain if you ask me. $10 at the door. You can call for reservations and details as well. Uh, call the alehouse at 599-2828. All right. Let's jump out to the 600 ESPN El Paso hotline and welcome in one of our old friends and fan favorites. He is former UTEP assistant basketball coach, former NMSU assistant basketball coach. He is an author who has uh, written numerous books that have been critically acclaimed. And he was in Springfield, Mass. this past weekend to watch his former uh, recruit get inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. He's the one and only. Coach, Russ Bradbird. Russ, good to have you back on the program. And, uh, hey, we appreciate the time as always. Hi, Steve. It's good to, good to hear your voice again. Russ, do you feel old going to a Hall of Fame ceremony for a player that you recruited as a 17-year-old out of high school? Well, he was 18, I think, actually. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, 
It was, it was, and I wasn't much older, Steve. I think I was 23 or 20, I guess I was 24 when, when, uh, when, when I recruited him. So we're it, it looking at the time, it seemed like a big deal. You know, I'd gone to college and he had, so I felt like I was a lot older than him, but in retrospect, we were pretty close to the same age. And I think that was part of the reason I was able to connect with him. I could kind of talk the talk for a, a Chicago guy. And, and we, we got, we got along well from the start and, uh, you know, and yeah, it was it was really it was very dramatic, and Tim did great. He was the first. I, I guess you probably watched it on, watched it live, but he was the first speaker, and he just did terrific, and, and just uh, it was really it was really fun to see. Now I don't know if you've attended any of the other Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, whether it was Don Haskins or the '66 team, if you were a part of that, or Coach Nolan Richardson. Uh, have you been to the hall before for any of uh, their inductions? I had. I went for the Nolan Richardson one when Nolan uh, Nolan introduced me to the crowd on national television and said that he didn't agree with everything in the book. <laughs> and a couple of the coaches I was with looked at me like I was going to be mad. I thought, "Oh, that's great because it actually, you know, uh, you know, calling a book controversial. I, I wish I could get it banned somewhere. You know, that that always. So I thought I thought that was that was great. And yes, that was a difficult book, but but um, but. Um, yeah, but I was Nolan. Nolan, of course, may be the best public speaker on the planet. But uh, yeah, they, I, so I was there before with, with Nolan, and uh, so I sort of knew the, knew the drill, and it was exciting to see. And uh, um, yeah, but but yeah, if, if, if anyone who hasn't been there, it's I would say don't go for Hall of Fame weekend because that's a little bit expensive. But it's yeah. the Hall of Fame is a pretty great thing to see. Oh, take me a little bit about what it was like for you just behind the scenes and some of the things you had a chance to experience as, as you were there with, uh, with Tim and company. Well, the, the first thing was I was able to go to the press conference. And one of the really interesting things about the press conference was Manu Ginobili because uh, uh, they, should first, they should induct Ginobili every year because he's so, he's so popular and people are just going bananas for him. I'd say there's a couple hundred people from Brazil Maybe not a couple hundred, but maybe maybe fifty people from Brazil and fifty from San Antonio. But he did half of the press conference in Spanish. Oh wow! And then at one point, and then at one point, somebody asked him the question in Italian, and, and so that so that was pretty dramatic. But but Tim Tim at the press went to the press conference where Tim talked about his high school coach and and being recruited by UTEP and uh, and and you know and the challenges for a, you know he's you know, he's five foot eleven. I mean the odds are just completely astronomical that you would ever make the NBA. And I remember sitting down with him during his junior year and saying, no, we need to start planning for what happens if you don't make the pros. And he, he looked at me as if, you know, as, you know, as if I was crazy. I, I just, I thought I was doing him a favor. I think I hurt his feelings that day. This is, you know, back in 1988 or 89, I suppose. But uh, the, the, the odds were really astronomical against him. But one of the things he talked about, and if there's any kids listening out there, he said, you know, when I, when I was a kid, there was no Game Boy and there was no video games and there was no Internet. And after I did my homework, I went down to the basement with my basketball and there was a couple, two or three poles in the basement and he would dribble around the poles back and forth and cross over dribble, cross over dribble. And, and that, he, that he would spend hours in the basement because, you know, this was the same for me when I was a kid in Chicago. There were four channels. There was the WGN and then, you know, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And, and that was it. And if there was nothing on, there was nothing good on, you know, we had to f- think of something else to do. And 
So I do think, I, while I think that skills have gotten better, Steph Curry and that kind of thing, I, I think the sort of time guys spend on it is it can sometimes be different. And so he was, you know, he was going down to the basement every night, and uh, his mother was probably delighted that it wasn't up in the living room where he'd break the fishbowl or something. <laughs> Hey, Russ, when it came to uh, Tim Hardaway, I love, first off, his speech, I love the fact that he does the crossover after getting the jacket, and I love the fact that when uh, he was actually speaking, he gave a lot of credit to his young his son, uh, of course, Tim Hardaway Jr., who is currently playing in the NBA right now and said how he's carrying the torch pretty nicely right there. What was that moment like to just see the father-son reaction right there uh, at the Hall of Fame? Well, there were three generations, of course, because Donald Hardaway Sr. was there and, and, and his mother. And so that it was, it was really great. It was really, you know, and I, had, I hadn't seen the mother and father in a long time. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, Adrian, that people don't know, his mother was a mail carrier. And in Chicago, a mail carrier, you know, you walk with your cart, but you walk for miles and miles every day. And it's, you know, besides that it could be tough neighborhoods, the weather can be brutal. And so and she did that job for something like 35 years. I mean, nearly as long as Don Haskins was the UTEP coach. So one of the interesting things about Tim is he stayed at the same high school for four years, which guys don't do anymore. And, and uh, even when his when his uh, when uh, and, and then when he came to UTEP and averaged four points a game as a freshman, he didn't transfer. He didn't go in the portal. And I just worry about what we're teaching kids these days. Like, what, there is no Tim Hardaway today. If, if Tim Hardaway was at, if, if, if a guy was at UTEP today averaging four points a game, he transfers. And it's, it's a, it's a, but it's, it's Tim hung in there and then started as a sophomore and then Jeep Jackson died. Well, there's a good reason to leave. My teammate died. There's a good reason for me to get the heck out. But he stayed again. And you know who, you know who he's married to, Adrian? He's married to Lady, her, everyone calls her Lady Yolanda. Lady is his high school girlfriend. And so this, you know, so you think about why would a kid from Chicago come with Don Haskins? But there was something I think that they sort of, uh, and I'm writing a piece about this for El Paso Matters that I've got to finish in the next two days. But uh, but you know, there's there's a, one of the things that we that I worry about with the, what we're doing to kids in college basketball and high school as well is, is you know a long sustained effort is how you get good at something, and it's the only real thing of value is to learn how to work hard for a long time and. And how to pick yourself up after failure? I'd forgotten about this part. Is that uh, remember he he got hurt pretty badly with Golden State, I think, or maybe when he first went to my. And people wrote him off. And then the next year, he was first team All NBA, came in fourth in the MVP voting. And so the way you deal with adversity and, and sustain your effort for long periods of time is everything. Whereas kids that you know, like kids today, I mean, look at all the UTEP's not the only one. I think I think it drove Tim Floyd kind of nutty. Is that you know the transfer here, transfer there, you know, and it's 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 everywhere. It's just rash, and I I think that we've, we're, you know, the NCA of course is trying to do things right, but 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 the, the, the someone got this idea that we're going to let the kids switch schools every few years. Well, there's no Antonio Davis, and there's no Tim Hardaway under those, you know, under those circumstances, and you know, and what we've done, what, what we've done is the, the constant switching around. Well, I, you know, Mike Connie would have got rid of me years ago if every time I made a mistake I was out the door. Of course. No, I understand, Russ. Well, I also want to ask you, you know, one of the other things that struck me from his his speech was his uh, 
reverence and his respect for Chicago. And you think of the great players who've come from the city of Chicago, Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, Anthony Davis. Of course, there are way uh, there are a lot more Doc Rivers. There's, a, of course, Eddie Johnson. And uh, Tim Hardaway is along with all those members on that list. How, how much does that mean to him, Tim Hardaway, to represent the south side of Chicago? Well, he, you know, Tim was, he had a very sort of, you know, he, uh, he idolized Isaiah Thomas as a kid. And, but uh, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to help you because those were great players that you named, but we, 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 Maurice Cheeks wound up at West Texas State when nobody recruited him. Kevin Porter, and he wound up an NBA All-Star and an NBA champion. Kevin Porter, who led the league in assists, wound up at St. Francis of Loretto, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, Ricky Green went to Michigan, wound up an NBA All-Star. Doc Rivers, who, who you mentioned, who you mentioned a minute ago, but then even even uh, you know Jim Les, who was uh, National Player of the Year under six foot, like Tim Hardaway was two years before Tim, and Randy Brown, of course, from the Aggies. And there's something about Chicago point guards that you know, and you could throw in Sean Harrington into the mix for heaven's sakes. But there's something about Chicago point guards, and and Tim is a is a, and I, I, I'll say what I what I give the credit for, and I've written about this before. Is when when we were kids, and Tim also, WGN televised every single Bulls game. Every Bulls game was on television, home or away. And so uh, there's a whole generation of kids who won't grow up not watching Michael Jordan so much, but grew up watching Jerry Sloan and Norm Van Leer. And those guys were they were both good players, borderline NBA also good players, but tough, tough, unselfish guys. And that really, I think, really influenced the generation of Chicago point guards. And Tim was one of the one of the last because after Tim, you know, after Tim, then it became then of course it became Michael Jordan and a whole different, you know, who of course influenced Dwayne Wade and a countless, you know, hundreds of other guys. But Tim was maybe the last of that generation of Chicago point guards. That there were many, of course, before Isaiah Thomas, but Isaiah was the first one. And those were guys that all grew up watching Jerry Sloan and Norm Van Leer. And, and of course, and, and, and that, that sort of idea of unselfish and generous was, was I think, really ingrained in him. And the other thing that, of course, happened with him is his dad, his dad, you know, took him to the playgrounds and tossed, you know, tossed him in there with the old guys. And so Tim was playing with the old guys right, you know, right from the start. And if you want to get to be a good player, I remember when Johnny Melvin's uh, son was such a good player at El Paso High and. People have asked me, "Well, how's he going to get better?" I'll tell you, he's going to he's going to walk down to Utah and, and play with those guys. I don't know that kid that just there wasn't there an El Paso kid who just went to a different high school in Dallas, Texas. That's right, KJ Lewis. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice kid. I'm sure he's a good player. But does he not have? Does he not? Can he just drive over to Utah and play with those guys? Like, is that not enough competition to play with the Utah guys every day? And and the, and the reason Nolan Richardson got good is he, uh, is he Nolan Richardson and Larry Bird have plenty in common and one of the things is they grew up playing against army guys nolan would go to the army base and play with the older guys and so what what, what tim did was he just he just uh i don't mean to pick on kj lewis i'm sure he's a nice kid and a good player i've never met him um and i'm sure he's got a huge future ahead of him but i i do i do i am worried about what we've taught kids where you if you're not happy where you're at leave and that's uh i think that's a, a dangerous precedent but yeah, Tim is part of that long tradition, and and his father deserves the credit for a lot of that. Where he just dragged him along. You know, we've tried to do. I've tried to do it with my own daughter's cap is to drag her along to poetry readings and short story readings, and you know, even you know, and hope that I can keep her off the. You know, hope that I can keep her off the phone or the or the or the video player. 
Russ, uh, I have more questions for you about the event, but we got to get to a break. Can you stick around with us for a couple more minutes? I'm happy to. I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting right here. Fantastic. More with Russ Bradbury. The Sports Talk continues, but first, right back to Charlie One. Let's get ourselves a, a traffic update. Talk live. Watching right now, the Seahawks score first. They lead 7 nothing, And uh, Geno Smith with a touchdown throw. Looked like to Will Disley. That was a long pass. And the Seahawks get on the board first. Uh, everybody excited right now with uh, Russ's return uh, to Denver. Not that Russ. Uh, Russ Bradbird with us here on Sports Talk as we continue our conversation. Russ uh, joining us uh, from the East Coast. He was up in Springfield, Mass, watching the Tim Hardaway uh, Hall of Fame uh, induction weekend along with Manu Ginobili and uh, Bobby Huggins and so many other uh, individuals that were being enshrined into the the hoop hall. I know uh, one of your best friends, Steve Yellen, was also up uh, for the trip. Who else uh, was uh, was uh, a part of it that you recognize from El Paso, Russ? Oh, do you mean at at the actual ceremony, Steve? Yes, yes. Jeez, uh, I didn't. I don't know if I saw anybody else from El Paso there. Well, Steve Yellen, of course, and and Jack Yellen. And, and Jack's teammate from El Paso High, Justin. Um, but I think that was a buddy. But I did see Donald Hardaway, see, uh, junior and senior. But ju- I haven't seen either of them for a long time. She's now. You've, I'm trying. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but I don't think I saw anybody else from El Paso there. But you know, you know, like anybody, I'm looking around at all the tall guys, saying, "Oh my God, there's Matumbo." You know, you know, you know. Oh my God! There's Alonzo Mourning. Oh, geez, there's Jerry West. Uh, so you know, like I, I'm as much of a fan as anybody is, and so I, I'm. Uh, the, oh, the, the my favorite part, Steve. I'll send it to you as we're talking now. I'll send it to your cell phone. Was you know, no, Nolan Richardson has a pair of cowboy boots in the Hall of Fame, and I thought that was I thought that was uh, just great. I just uh, I'll send them to you now. They're the red. Let's see, they're, they're lizards. Oh, and nice. they've got the, the red. I'm going to send it to you right now on the. Uh, I'll send it to you right now as a as a text. I guess you can't show a photo to people on the radio, can you? Well, we can tweak and we can tweet it out. You can actually tweet yeah. it out too. You're on Twitter. Well, you I can know, always send yeah, it but, out. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So I was delighted to see. But there's a real El Paso, you know, footprint there between the '66 team and Don Haskins and Nate Archibald and Nolan Richardson, and so there's a, you know there's a there's a El Paso is really a part of uh, of, of basketball history. Um, and so that yeah, it was really exciting to see, and, and very and very dramatic. And they really do it up. I mean, it's really fancy. The you know the hors d'oeuvres beforehand are great, and just the, they they literally roll out the red carpet. And uh, and so that was fun. You know, Jerry West was sort of the MC before things get started. So it's nice. uh, it's it's quite a scene. By the way, I saw the uh, Nolan Richardson boots. Thank you for sending those. I like the fact that he's got an N on them. We might have to uh, send we'll, – we'll tweet those out through uh, 600 ESPN El Paso and let our listeners check those out as well. That's pretty cool. Good, good uh, enough. And copy me on an or tag me or whatever whatever you kids call it, whatever you young kids call it. Yeah, the uh, it's it's funny. The kids these days, they, they go with the word tag. That's right. So tag, we'll, tag me. Okay, thanks. We'll, we'll do that. I, I love the fact that his orange number 10 jersey is on display at the hall. Yes, and with with the word, I don't know if you saw if you could see, but on the on the bottom of that, I'll send you that now. That on the bottom of that, it says crossover. Oh, nice. So that's pretty cool, you know. That uh, and then they put them on the stairway. It's all, all you know. There's, 
Uh, as you might know, Steve, I'm maybe the worst photographer on the planet, but I got some pretty good ones this time. Nice. Uh, but, but they, they wound up sort of putting his, his picture on the stairway as well. Uh, let's see if that should do it. Uh, um, and so, yeah, we, they, they make a, they make a, it's a huge event. And, you know, you get a ring, you get a ring the size of Montana. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so, and, and then at the, at the after party, Steve, uh, Tim had a little after, a little, uh, after, not a little one, a big after party afterwards. And Isaiah Thomas shows up at the party. Oh, oh wow. uh, you know, who else is there is Ben Q- Ben Karam, who played briefly for the Aggies and then averaged like 25 a game at, uh, at Houston Baptist. They were like 31 and one Ben from Eastwood high school. Uh, one of the great programs, you know, in, uh, of course been connected to UTEP for a long time. You, do you remember Ben Karam? He was, he was probably, he was without net probably, he was without question, the greatest minor might ever. He'd go out there and wow the crowd. And then whenever all the kids ran off the court, he'd stay out there and do one arm pushups. <laughs> which, which, believe it or not, Steve, I did not teach him how to do one-arm push-ups. Um, and, and let me dispel another, you know, the, the, dispel another thing. I did not teach Tim Hardaway how to dribble. There's, you know, the, yes, I was, I was a good dribbling teacher, and I did a lot of dribbling, but I had, I had nothing to do with, uh, with teaching Tim. Well, I'll what say other, this: what other, what other rumors can we dispel? You, you, you are, you know, you are the master dribbler. That's one of the reasons why you put together years ago the mini dribblers and the minor mites and everything else you had out there for all those years. Yeah, yeah, and we had the pistoleros in, in Las Cruces for nearly tw- twenty years. So one of the things that happens to me is, uh, you know, I, I might be at a grocery store or something, and some guy with a beard will come up to me and say, "Hey, do you remember me? I was one of your little dribblers when I was seven. Uh, I was one of your little dribblers when I was when I was seven. And you know, I think, well, look, I look exactly the same, kid, but you don't. Okay, how am I supposed to know when you have that full beard? Uh, but there's been, yeah, there's, I've had a lot of kids. A lot of kids have come through and. Um, not, of course, not all of them turn into great players, but it's it's good experience to get out. It was a good experience to get out, you know, in front of big crowds and you know do your do your dribbling tricks and that kind of thing. It was one of my one of my favorite things to do: the minor mites and, and then the pistoleros at New Mexico State. Was Nate Archibald there as part of the induction ceremonies for Hardaway? No, and there was a bad rumor going around that he passed away. I don't know if you saw that, but Pete Vesey, Pete Vesey the famous, real well-known, highly regarded sports uh, basketball writer, tweeted out that uh, that he had heard from his good friend that Tiny had passed away. And then so Tiny's wife puts out a tweet that says, you know, like Mark Twain said, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. I don't know. I'm not sure how that got started. Uh I know Tiny's had some health issues in the in the last few years. Oh, the other interesting thing, Cap, is there's a there's now there's, there's a Bronx Basketball Hall of Fame, and I've got this on a pretty good source today. Alexander Wolf, maybe the greatest writer, basketball writer we've ever known. He's the old Sports Illustrated guy, but he sent me an email saying that you know you should come out to this. It's Willie Cager, Willie Worsley, and Neville Shedd for being inducted into the Bronx Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh wow. So that's I a, love. There, there, there's another. So you guys, you guys are going to have plenty to talk about all, all year. But I didn't know there was a Bronx Basketball Hall of Fame, but there is. I didn't know that either. Thanks for sharing that with yep. me. That's, that's good right. to know. I'm still um, hoping. I, I scored 13 career points, Steve, but I'm still hoping for the North Park College Hall of Fame. <laughs> Can you? I might need you to write me a letter. Ah, oh, I love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, let me wrap it up with this. In, in your opinion, where do you put Hardaway amongst the greatest point guards to ever play the game? Well, I, I think he's I think he's a top ten point guard of all time easily. 
and, and part of it, you know, he was so durable and physical. And you know, there's some of those great photos that Ruben Ramirez took that are online now on Facebook. And they, and you look at like Tim, and he's got he's got shoulders like soft, like uh, volleyballs. Like he was thick in the shoulders and strong. And here's the other interesting thing about him: he made four three pointers the first year of the rules. In fact, four. And then by the end of his NBA career, he was a 35 percent three point shooter. Not great, but pretty good. And Larry Bird's, you want to take a guess at Larry Bird's three-point career percentage? What are we talking 30, about? 37. Wow. So, like, he's right. If they shoot 100, Bird makes 37, Tim makes 35. He's not far behind Larry Bird, who some people regard as one of the, the great shooters ever. So he really, I think, I think the, the draw, what's so dramatic about Tim is he, you know, he made himself. Yep. You know, like, like what you averaged four points a game your first year. You made four three-pointers your second year, and then you were 35%. NBA three-point shooter, and the other thing is that he sort of re you know he he went from a, a slower pace, grinded out, tough, hard-nosed Don Haskins style, then crazy run and gun, fun to watch video game style. It was like an Atari game watching a run TMC, and then back to Pat Riley, and it's closer to it's closer to the Don Haskins style, and he could that was the thing about him he could he could he could, he could play any style, and I do think it, it, to give Coach Haskins the boatload of credit is you know he tim could do all the dribbling and fast break and see the floor stuff the day he arrived on campus but he you know the chicago public league is a very you know very fast-paced style and he learned to play a slower style and i think that really broadened his game you know brought broadened his game in in, in many ways where then he when, by the time he got to the pros he could he could do it all so i i see him as a top 10 point guard of all time and uh, it's a shame he never got to he never got to play for the championship. But he was on good teams year after year after year after year. And and think about his coaching tree. Uh, oh yeah. You know uh, Pat Riley and Don Nelson and and Don Haskins. And before that, it was a man named Bob Walters who died when Tim was a a sophomore in, in college. But Bob was one of the Bob was one of the great Chicago would have been one of the great Chicago high school coaches of all time. But died of colon cancer. Well, I'll tell you something. Russ, you're a storyteller. That's why I love you. You did a great job with us. I'm happy you had a chance to make the trip. And uh, congratulations. I know it means a lot to you, and it has to. I mean, I know Donald is uh, the father, but for you, you got to feel like a proud papa knowing you had the opportunity to see uh, Tim Hardaway grow from uh, a recruit all the way to now uh, a Hall of Famer. I did see and I will say one last thing is that when he was a recruit, I called him every night, of course, for, you know, for, for a year. <laughs> And then I talked to him every day when he was a freshman. But then after that, he kind of, you know, in the best ways that you could hope for, he outgrew me. But, but then Soup Campbell, so, you know, Soup had a real, and Fred Reynolds, Soup and Fred, Fred wasn't even a player then, but Fred became close with him and Soup became close with him, you know, and, and Feitel was good to him. And, and uh, there was just, there was just a, you know, a, a, you know, between Jeep Jackson and all, all of those guys really, and so Tim sort of outgrew me in a good way. We never, of course, we never had a falling out or anything, but, I, you know, was, I went from talking to him every day to just like, just to see him go off and do it without me. You know, when Pete Carrill died, they told the story about that his favorite game was the game he got thrown out of, and there was no assistant coach uh, on the trip with him. So a walk-on coached the team, and they won the game at Virginia. And, and wow. he talked about that as being his, his proudest moment. And I, I think one of the things I'm really proud of is how Tim stopped needing me after his, after his freshman year and just did, did just fine without me. Well... 
I'll tell you what, uh, you were there for a lot of it. And, uh, again, you were there for us. We appreciate it. Russ, our, uh, our thoughts will be with you as well. Uh, and and uh, we wish uh, everything uh, the best uh, for, your, uh, for your family back home. And uh, thanks so much for, again, giving us a little time on the program today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Stephen. As I always often say now, go Miners and go Ag. There he is. Russ Bradbird, folks, joining us. 33 past. The sports talk continues. Let's get that last Sports Center update. Here's Adrian Broadus with the latest. Uh, been with us hanging out in the 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios. Zay, welcome back. And um, want to talk to you about the stock up, stock down column you put together with UTEP after the uh, New Mexico State game. Yep. Um, it, was a, it was a fun article to write up. You know, there was a lot of negatives that a lot of people took from that game but there was some def- there was players who definitely broke out well let's talk about that first off ronald haywatt we've saw what he could do last year when he runs the ball for over 100 yards uh the miners have never lost Zay. well yeah i mean ronald haywatt you know you look at him he can run he's, he's quick he's fast he's shifty but if he needs to he can he can put his shoulder down run you over so if, if utep can can get him involved I think Hardison's job will get, you know, a lot easier. So with with Awad doing what he's going to do, does that essentially put Deion Hankins into that backup role where he'll just get a handful of carries per game? I mean, yeah, I hope not. I hope they can really, like, use both of them. But the way he's looking, I mean, it's been a rough start for him. And, yeah, I think it puts him in a, in a, in a backup role instead of a 1A, 1B. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Um, let's talk about other players uh, who you've got uh, with the stock up. Uh, praise Amehule. Now, this is interesting because I've seen some reaction on Twitter. Some people feel that no sacks. Uh, how can you put uh, someone that's you know essentially the player of the year in Conference USA as, uh, as stock up? So tell me, uh, your thoughts on praise and how despite no sacks, you still give him stock up? Well, I think being a defensive end, you know, a lot of people think it's just purely based on production, you know, tackles for loss, sacks, but it's so much more. I mean, we saw it just a few years ago. Odafei Owe, he was a he was a top, you know, three. Um, I don't remember if he was second round or something. He had no sacks, you know, that year. So being defensive end, it goes a lot more than, you know, sack numbers, everything. He was all over the field. Praise looked a lot better this game. Okay. So as far as you're concerned, Praise also uh, trending up right now. And so is Cal Wallerstead, the linebacker who really, despite being undersized, has, has been everywhere the last couple of weeks. Heck, yeah. I mean, he, he was just thrown out there, thrown into the win against OU, and he's, he's impressed. I mean, he's played really good, and, you know, maybe he's not Breon Hayward or stuff like that, but he's, he's definitely he's been great. Now, you mentioned guys where you said almost stock up. I guess players that are on the verge. Uh, of the three you mentioned, Kobe Hilton, Gavin Beckley, and also Maurice Westmoreland, is, is Westmoreland at the top of that list? Yeah, it was him. It was between him and Cal. You know, Westmoreland, you saw him. He was all over the field, too. He's, he's just another player in a long line of Juco players who, who continue to make a quick um, difference for the minors. Um, as far as uh, just West Westmoreland's um, his ceiling, you know, to me, he's a guy that can become the next really, really good defensive lineman for the Miners. Yeah, and it's the versatility with him too. You know, 
you know, we saw with Jadrian Taylor, he can drop back into coverage sometimes, which is crazy. So I think that's the biggest thing with him. He's so versatile. You can use him, you know, as an outside linebacker or, or as an edge rusher, either, either one. Zay, you uh, mentioned a lot with uh, the UTEP stock down. Now, when you're looking at the quarterback position specifically, that's where things get a little dicey. Dana Dimmel commented uh, that uh, he did not like the, I guess, the performance necessarily that Gavin Hardison had against New Mexico State when you compare it to the Oklahoma game. What do you want to see from Gavin Hardison moving forward? I want to see him make, you know, quicker decisions. You know, you want to see him um, utilize, you know, the shorter passing game a lot. I think it's ironic that Dimmel said that. I mean, the play calling was questionable, you know, so I think the play calling will reflect, you know, Hardison's performance. I think the better the play calling, the better he's going to, you know, perform. With, with a guy like, with a, a linebacker like Tyrese Knight, that's somebody who you felt struggled in this game. Now, you gave props to Cal Wallerstead, but not necessarily to Ty, uh, Tyrese Knight. What do you want to see from a standout guy who's coming back for the minors this year and, uh, and you know, looks to continue to help out this defense? You know, I think I, I just want to see him, you know, not miss a lot of tackles. I think he's taken a lot of bad angles, a lot of stuff. It's been a rough start for him, but we've seen the talent that he has, and I think he just needs to settle down, and he'll, he'll be okay. Something else you mentioned, and you talked about this with Hardison a moment ago, but you said UTEP's offensive play calling stock down. Yeah, um, the play calling is so inconsistent to me. I think... I think UTEP gets a little bit of momentum, and they just want to go for that home run play, and it, it just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. You know, I don't think they've even completed a pass for more than 30 yards this this whole year. If you want to read more uh, with uh, Zay's stock up, stock down column, you can do it at 600ESPNElPaso.com. Uh, All right, uh, we said this earlier. I want to get your take on this, too. Adrian and I were talking about the New Mexico game. Do you believe that the Lobos game, four games into the season, will very likely dictate if this is a postseason uh, you know, club or not? I mean, I know some fans are saying, hey, relax. They, got, they only need five wins to get to six. That's it, just five. Do you feel as if this will be uh, indicative of, this, you know, of the, of the uh, postseason? Um, yes, I do. I think this is a very – got to win this game. You know, UNM, they're another team that – really hasn't found an offensive identity yet and I think when you look ahead in the schedule there there there's winnable games of course but you gotta you gotta you gotta get this one you just have to I'm with you on that one and I and I do agree with you there are plenty of winnable games but if you've got Boise coming up at home uh, a week from Friday and this game here you can have some legitimate momentum even though the Aggie game wasn't impressive if you go on a two-game win streak you beat the Lobos in Albuquerque that would be a big deal heading into uh, the Boise game it would I mean it would change you know the UNT game a lot of fans but if if you can go into the Boise State game and compete for four quarters I think you get the confidence and I think that you can you can get that seven wins eight wins you know so yeah the UNM game is huge, in my opinion. I hear you. All right. Uh, good job, Zay. We're going to come back, wrap things up with you, with Adrian, and uh, maybe we'll also be able to get some some Chema uh, on the program. We'll talk a little Dodger baseball with her. So stay with us, folks, as we continue. Before we go to break, I uh, want to let you know that if you are looking to buy or sell your home, 
there is one person and one person that you should think of, and his name is Brian Birds. And part of the reason is because of how many times he is able to uh, get it done for others. And I love these kind of success stories like what happened to Bill because, again, it'll show you what Brian and his team can do for you. Now, Bill reached out to Brian to sell his home in El Paso, and you know what? He had never sold a home before. And to further complicate matters, he was living in another state at the time. Bill said during the selling process, Brian and his team exceeded his expectations. Being in another state caused virtually no issues. The home sold quickly and for more than Bill ever expected. He appreciated the peace of mind that working with Brian's team gave him during the selling process, and it can happen with you as well. Are you worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home? Well, don't worry with Brian Birds and the Brian Birds Home Selling Team powered by EXP Realty. One of the big reasons why is the fact that his Coming Soon Homes program allows homes listed with him uh, to be sold within minutes because his buyers get a free head start. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. He's the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Call Brian Birds today, 751-1500, online at brianbirds.com, or Google Brian Birds, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing.